0: Log Talk Radio. Well, good afternoon, and welcome to another episode of the Sound Heart Radio. This afternoon, I'm going to be discussing the flesh, the psychology of the flesh, what the flesh represents in the Word of God. In Hebrew, the word is sarx. So we're going to be looking at uh, both uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament, and we're going to be talking about uh, what the flesh represents. And in the book of 1 Samuel, The flesh is represented by King Saul, and there are some other pictures of the flesh there as well that we are going to take a look at. So let's begin with a word of prayer, and then we'll start our study. Father, we thank you for this time to meet together around your word. Thank you for the truth. Thank you, Lord, for what you have provided for us this day, that we can meet together as uh, brethren in Christ. Father, and celebrate your word. Thank you for this time, and thank you for all that you have provided for us. In Jesus' name, amen. And so I'm going to be reading from 1 Samuel. I want to believe, I'm going to begin in chapter 3, verse 1, which reads, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare there were not many visions. And so I want to stop there for a moment because I want you to know where the people of God was at this time. Uh, They were in a very uh, unspiritual condition, let us say. And uh, it was highly uh, just a a very unspiritual time. And so... God raised up the boy Samuel under Eli, who himself was not a very godly man, and his sons uh, were called sons of Belial. And, but God used Eli uh, to develop this young man. And so we can see that a godly life can develop in spite of, an ungodly, of ungodly influences surrounding him. And this is what we see uh, in the life of Samuel. And note in verse 1 that in those days the word of God was rare. Uh, the people did not love the word of God. And so God took away his word. When people uh, turn their back uh, upon the word, this is what happens. And please read uh, the book of Amos. Amos talks about uh, about a famine of the word of God. And when God's people turn their back on Him, He He will take away His word, and their lives are what their lives turn into uh, in, turn to ruin. Because the word of God preserves. The word of God is, it, it preserves society and the social order. The word of God is light, and uh, God through the light of His word guides His people. Thy word is a light unto my feet, and what, a lamp unto my feet, you know, and so the word of God guides us, and a light unto my path. The lamp and light, we have that, bring the word of God. And so in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. And so God's people are indeed carnal. And uh, Samuel is going to grow up, and he is going to be, Uh, God's leader for his people At this time God's people are going to become strong uh, Through The ministry of Samuel God's people Were under judgment because of their Carnality but God raised up Samuel uh, To be that light for his people Now in chapter uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3 verse 21 We read The Lord continued To appear at Shiloh and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word, and Samuel's word came to all Israel. So uh, God spoke directly to Samuel, and God spoke indirectly to Eli.
1: Samuel's
0: life was in uh, a line aligned with the God, the will of God for himself, whereas Eli's life was not, and so God called down a judgment upon Eli's family because Eli lived a life that was inconsistent with the word of God, and so uh, God says in verse 12 of 1 Samuel 3, at that time I will carry out against Eli everything. I spoke against his family from beginning to end. I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons made themselves contemptible, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. And so God is going to judge the house of, e, uh, of Eli. And uh, if you will read on, going, you will read about uh, Eli's two sons, Hophni and Pinnis, and the type of uh, terrible men they were. In 1 Samuel chapter 4, uh, this is what the Philistines captured, the Ark of the Covenant. And in verse 3, we read. When the soldiers returned to camp, the elders of Israel asked, "Why did the Lord bring defeat upon us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the ark of the Lord's covenant from Shiloh, <clears throat> so that it may go with us and save us from the hand of our enemies." So the people sent men to Shiloh, and they brought back the ark of the covenant of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim. And Eli's two sons, Hathnai and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. And so the Philistines, in verse 10, fought, and Israel, the Israelites were defeated, and every man fled to his tent. The slaughter was very great. Israel lost 30,000 foot soldiers. Verse 10, the Ark of God was captured, and Eli's two sons, Hathnai and Phinehas, died. Why did this happen? Well, think of God's people were carnal. They were outside of the will of God. They did not live according to the word of God. And so they go and they take uh, the Ark of the Covenant into battle with them, believing that the Ark of the Covenant was going to protect them uh, from their enemies. God judged them, that is, his people, because of their sin. And notice their thinking, their carnal thinking. The carnal mind thinks, well, if I hold up that which is sacred with polluted hands, then God will surely uh, show, uh, show something else to me in spite of what is in my heart. This is what the flesh believes. This is what the the carnal flesh really thinks. And the Bible tells me that God looks upon the heart. God examines the heart. In the book of Acts, uh, God is called the heart-knower twice. The heart-knower. One word in the Greek. Noah. And so he knows their hearts. And so taking the Ark of the Covenant into battle with them was not going to protect them. And so uh, the Philistines, the enemies, uh, the word Philistine means foreigner. The Philistines take the Ark of the Covenant and they keep it. So uh in verse chapter 5, verse 1, we read, After the Philippines had captured the Ark of God, they took it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. And then uh, another story develops wherein they take God, uh, the Ark of the Covenant into Dagon's temple, and some terrible things happen to Dagon because he is a polluted uh, a deity And the Holy God, the Ark of the Covenant of the Holy God, is taken into uh, this temple, into Dagon's temple. So, uh, and uh, we're going to see some other developments there. But I want to move on because I want to show you more about what happens uh, to the people of God uh, because... What their spiritual condition was. So in 1 Samuel chapter 7, uh, Samuel uh, defeats the Philistines at Mizpah. They have a great victory. In chapter 7, verse 3, and Samuel said to the whole house of Israel, If you are returning to the Lord with all your hearts, then rid yourselves of the Falling God And the Ashtoreth And commit yourselves To the Lord And serve him only And he will deliver you out of the hands Of the foreigners or Philistines So the Israelites put away Their Baals And ashtoreth And serve the Lord only So the, and so we have this very important verb, put away, put away from you, get rid of you. And then we have the word commit, the verb commit. It is to be stable. Be, uh, uh, it means confirmed. And so they are to put away the pollutants. They are to put away the compromise. They are to put away the uncleanness. And then God will bless them. So Samuel, in verse 5, said, Assemble all Israel at Mizpah, and I will intercede with the Lord for you. So this is his wonderful ministry on behalf of the people of God, whom Samuel knows is carnal. We're going to see more of the activity of the flesh in First Samuel, but I wanted to provide a foundation for you because I want to show you, according to the Scripture that the only way of victory over the flesh is to crucify the flesh. To crucify the flesh. That is the only way to have victory in one's spiritual life. It is only as the flesh is crucified, as a once-for-all act, it is only when that is done when the Lord Jesus can become Lord over our lives, when The Lord Jesus can become Lord over our wills. The will of the flesh must be crucified so that the will of Jesus can rule over our lives. If we do not crucify the, the will of the flesh, then the will of the flesh will control us and we will not have the wonderful, fulfilling life that God has provided for us. It is only, please read Galatians 2.20. It is only when the flesh is crucified. Uh, Paul wrote in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. The pronoun I that Paul uses, in Greek it's the word ego or ego. Paul knew the necessity of crucifying the flesh. It is necessary in the nature of the case if we would know more of Jesus, if we want a deeper walk with God and a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ, we must crucify the flesh with its affections and lusts. There is no other way. There is no way around it. We must crucify the flesh. This is the will of God. This is the word of God so that we will walk in the fullness of life. If you want a life, that is what? That is filled with the presence of God, get rid of the flesh, with its affections and life. Good afternoon. My name is Dr. Josiah Rich, and God bless you.